0: Welcome to this week's edition of An Organic Conversation, a show about food, ecology, stories from the land, recipes, nature, sustainability, interconnectedness, relationships and life itself. We're your hosts Helge Helberg, Mark Mulcahy
1: and Sita Rani Palomar.
0: And we have such a treat for you today. Our topic is music and message, hip hop goes green. All three of us here in the studio have uh, studio have music in their backgrounds and current lives. And today we're introducing you to a project that combines the organic food movement, youth obesity, and disenfranchised communities with the power of music and the transformational energy of hip hop, music and message. Hip hop goes green today here on Inorganic Conversation.
2: Yeah, you know, I was growing up in the 60s and the 70s. It's like music was always about uh, spreading a message or bringing something to the people that we didn't necessarily know about or understood, and then allowed us to kind of fully more more easily grasp it. And so today's topic about hip hop bringing a whole new generation to um, green and all all the things that we're going to be talking about is really, really exciting for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. When we got this, um, when we got this. Guests project on our desks. We were all really excited because we have a music background, and it's just so um, innovative to use this medium as a way to advocate for more sustainable lifestyle. I'm I'm excited to talk to. Yeah, our especially
0: today. when it comes to youth, right? Empowering youth. So great topic. Hip hop goes green: music and message today. Mm-hmm.
1: And Helga, you had a really interesting study that you came across this week.
0: Oh yes, there's a trade deal that is being negotiated between the European Union and the United States very much along the lines of our show last week about the worldwide movement of organic food. And um, what's interesting about that is that critics are saying in this trade deal, when it comes to genetically altered food or genetically engineered ingredients, most likely, already, the U.S. putting so much pressure on it, um, on the European Union, that most likely they will somehow have to ratify the different standards between the European Union and the United States, meaning that because foods, genetically engineered foods here in the U.S. are equivalent to non-GMO foods, the European Union has to comply with that, has to be okay with that.
2: Well, and wouldn't it be great if they actually did just the opposite?
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah what the what the big issue there is for me actually is um, of course, this trade deal and any genetic standards that being diluted or being adopted. But really, when I read through the the article, there was a space where people could post comments. and Jack R, uh, wherever he may be, commented that as for public health risks, there has been no single case of human illness or death due to GM foods reported since their introduction almost 20 years ago. So he is um, a strong advocate for GMOs or is not concerned. And I you know, read other comments and what it made clear for me was the state of science in this country that there's no reliable, source unfortunately uh, really we, we have lost science as a trustworthy tool to to make any political decisions or decisions for us on an, on the consumer level um, if you look you know the studies that that bash gmos or are concerned about their safety come from consumer groups if you look at uh, the same amount of studies you know usually funded by the industry sh- showing that they're safe so Instead of, you know, I don't want to get into which study we can trust and which not, but it's it's literally, it's it's just a piling of studies in each camp without any real dialogue between the two. It's just about who has more money, who has more studies to show the opposite of what the other side is showing. And it's just so disheartening. It's not real studies. Obviously, if you take a snapshot within a study, there's so many variables that you can... Um, You know, you do can create the result you want. You you do can create a certain outcome. And it's just really sad. It's sad that in the largest democracy on this planet, 320 million people and Obama appointing somebody for the independence of scientific research, we don't have a body that you can actually independently trust. Very, Very, very sad to me.
2: Well, I actually think listening to what you're saying is that we should be outraged. I mean, the reality is whatever your feeling is on science, whatever your feeling is on anything, on any product, on any place where they're doing scientific research, I think that we as the public should be outraged that there is not an unbiased – Peer review group out there yeah. that we can count on that accepted just gonna,
0: by both camps, right? Well,
2: it, it, accepted or not accepted, the thing is, is that yes, it, it's just it's about this is these are the facts,
0: yeah. like a high court, you know, where that word is just it's complete, it's done, it's long enough, it's the right, you know, peer groups, whatever. I mean, it, science is not rocket science; it's science. You can create a study where everyone would agree, whatever the outcome of this formula is here, that will define the policy of this country. And we don't have it. There are thousands, hundreds of studies, thousands of studies mm -hmm. differently conducted, showing different results because that's what we wanted, to have a better argument. That is just embarrassing. It's embarrassing.
1: Well, I agree Uh, with what you guys are saying. And the thing that I do trust is that people will self-select into the right thing. We just got back from Natural Product Expo West, and what I noticed as possibly the biggest trend down there this time was that, as often as I've seen labels that say gluten-free, I'm now seeing labels that say GMO-free. GMO-free is the new gluten-free, okay, as far as labeling and product messaging goes, because this is a hot topic. And I think that that being a huge step forward for exactly what we're talking about, it's going to show the demand and hopefully get a, a national public dialogue going about this topic.
0: Yes, and hopefully people know how to navigate between all this anyway. But yeah, let's be outraged. Well, and,
2: and, you know, I just, there's a recent update that was announced at Expos that Whole Foods in 2018 will have all products on their shelves will have to be labeled with if, whether or not they have a GMO or, or non GMOs. And I've been working with plenty of stores around the country and in Canada who have already been doing these things for a long time. And right. so it is moving in that direction. So,
0: And the conversation is far beyond GMOs, but yeah, we'll mm-hmm. stay up on, on that topic as well. Um, you're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And
1: I'm Sitarani Palomar.
0: And today we are talking about music and message. Hip-hop goes green. Hip-hop, a fantastic project that is hitting major cities and inner city communities all around the country right now. That and more when we come back. Stay tuned.
1: Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary
0: arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org.
3: That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. And since we all came from a woman, I think it's
0: time to for And we are back here to an Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Hellberg. I'm Mark Wokehi.
1: And I'm Rani Palomar.
0: Our topic today is Music and Message. Hip-Hop Goes Green. We'll be speaking with Keith Tucker about his project and initiative to address youth obesity in America through the power of hip-hop. A fascinating story coming to a city near you very soon. But as always, we're starting off the show with our weekly tip from the world of beauty and health. Here's Chef Sita, a.k.a. Sitarani Palomar and her holistic bite.
1: Thank you, Helga. Well, this week I'm following up on last week's holistic bite, which was a look at what kind of standards there are for holistic beauty and body care over in Europe after visiting the largest organic conference in Europe, because I just got back from Expo West, which is possibly the largest conference here in the United States on the organic and natural industry. And something that was interesting to me as I was getting ready for this conversation was that over in Europe, this conference I visited was solely organic. And I knew going into Expo West that this is not a solely organic conference. This is a conference for natural products, as it says in the title. And we don't actually have a standard for what natural means. So I'm curious, how are we to wade through all of these claims and really find products that are good for us? And so... I talked about uh, um, Natru, which is a a standard that that they're using over in Europe, and wanted to talk about what we're using here so that you and we as consumers can try and figure out what products we want to invest our money and our health in. And there are really two quality or accuracy seals for cosmetics here natural or organic cosmetics. And one is the USDA and the other is NSF, NSF International. So the USDA seal is pretty much you're using the exact same standards that you would for organic produce. If something is labeled USDA organic, if it's a body care product, a cosmetic, anything in that family, it still has to comply with those standards of being 95% organic. And it's more than just the ingredients. It also addresses the process of the production. Generally, these standards are really hard to hit in beauty products, which is why it's rare that we actually see a product with the USD organic seal on it. So there's another seal that you can look for, and that is the NSF seal. And the NSF seal looks like a leaf, kind of, um, I don't know, oriented at, at 10 o'clock or 2 o'clock, depending on how they fit it on the package but what that means is that the product has to be 70% organic. But even still, these are very loose generalizations because we've not adopted an overarching way to qualify the ingredients that go into our body care products. So while I was at Expo, and as I said, the operative word of Natural Expo West is natural, and there is no standard for quote-unquote natural ingredients, it's really clear to me that we need to find a way to differentiate what makes a product cleaner cleaner as an alternative to the mainstream cosmetics because it may not yet be labeled organic and maybe it isn't organic, but it is making measures in the right direction. Like it's a product that's free from parabens and other petroleum products, or it doesn't have any animal ingredients and does not an animal test. Maybe it's made from renewable and biodegradable ingredients or fair trade ingredients. Maybe they put it in a, pl- in a recycled package or it is rich in plant-based antioxidants And is using non-GMO ingredients. There are all of these things that make it a better choice than what you might standardly find on most drugstore shelves. And we need to, as consumers, educate ourselves. That's really the name of the game. Whether it's food, whether it's body care products, we have to read our labels and become educated consumers. There is another thing coming up here that's called the NAP seal. You may see more of that lately. It's a national products association that's trying to create their own seal for exactly those things I just listed. Lots of steps in the right direction for a healthy alternative. But really what it comes down to is to Get in the game, take a look at your packages, familiarize yourselves with these seals, like I've talked before about the Leaping Bunny seal, the Cruelty Free seal, which interestingly enough are both rabbits, which I think is very cute. (laughs) And then you have people like Whole Foods, for example. I want to give a shout out to what they're doing because a couple of years ago they made a standard of their own that said, if you want to be on our shelves and you claim to be organic, we need to see a seal. And they're going to qualify before you put anything, take anything off their shelf. So Get in the game, and if you have any questions, you know how to reach us, share at anorganicconversation.com. And that's this week's Holistic bite.
0: Thank you, Sita. That's Chef Sita for you with a weekly update of what's going on in the world of health and beauty and well-being. And um, yeah, you can expand that actually to household cleaners too, which we come in contact with several times of the day, soaps, um, etc. at Natural Products for West. Much to my disappointment, there were two Household cleaner companies. That the first ingredient when I picked up their products was um, what is it called? Laurel sulfate. Sodium laurel, Sodium, laurel, sulfate. laurel SLS. sulfate. Yes, the product that we should avoid because of the of, of possible health damages. And yeah, disappointing. I don't think a, a product is natural because it's put in a green packaging. So, being a discerning consumer or a discerning co-creator on every level is is really critical mark you were at that show too What's well take it just
2: made me it made me think see when you were talking about all these different labels and all this it, it's hard to navigate just like it's hard to navigate the produce department you know it's hard to navigate the the beauty product aisle too because we don't know all these things. i don't know all these things and i was just thinking man i want to walk the beauty aisle with her and find out you know and listen to what she has to say about all these things and these different ingredients and things like that because it's a lot it's a lot to take on if you do it yourself. And I'm sure there's some great websites and there's some great seals that you already brought up, but it's a lot to take on. So I applaud anybody who's taken the time to learn a little bit more about what they're putting in and on their body.
0: Yeah. And when you do the research and you find a company that you really love, stick with it. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Hellberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy.
1: And I'm Sitarani Palomar.
0: And last week we celebrated our 200th episode with a show on organic around the world through the lens of Biofach, the largest all-organic trade show and conference in Germany held last month. Today, we are bringing it back to American shores. As we want to introduce you to a project that is touring the United States at this very moment, started by Keith Tucker. Pursuit of a Green Planet, or POAGP, addresses youth obesity, especially in disenfranchised communities all around the nation, by educating and empowering kids to make healthier choices. And what's the medium? Music. Music. Hip hop to be precise. Music and message. Hip hop goes green, our topic today. And with us now, calling from Seattle, Washington, hopefully on the line, is the filmmaker and initiator of this very timely and hip hop project, Keith Tucker. Keith, are you with us?
4: Yes, I am. Thank you
0: for having me.
1: <laughs> it's Keith, it's so fold. great to have you on the show.
0: Yes, we were glued to our um, screens on the computer, looking, um, researching your project, looking at the film that you put on there, the 10-minute um, introduction to the project overall. Tell us about your role. of uh, What's the role of hip-hop? What's, what's the role of advocacy from Bob Dylan to Marvin Gaye? Music has always had the power to move people. Why did you choose this? How did you come around this idea?
4: Well, um, it's a long story, and I'll try to keep it short. Um, (laughs) I've been involved in hip-hop for many years, and so um, I consider myself uh, and many of my friends that I grew up with the first generation of hip-hoppers. Uh, and we listen to music like Marvin Gaye and Bob Dylan and, you know, the godfather James Brown and, and many others who hip-hop first took its identity from. So when hip-hop was first formed, it was formed out of activism by people like Africa Bambaataa and others. So we come from an activist uh, vein, first and foremost. So that's really where the activism part comes inside of hip-hop culture.
2: And how is it showing itself in your project?
4: Well, you know, right now if you look at the numbers, uh, youth obesity has tripled over the last 20 years. Yes. and So it's uh, really prevalent in, uh, in, in communities of color and, and actually spreading just around American youth, you know, with the foods that uh, are, are processed and chemicalized. And so, uh, you know, diabetes, cancer, heart attack, stroke, you know, those are issues that naturally are affecting us. So hip hop as it always has, speaks to those issues. And um, you know, when P- and I want to clarify something too, so everyone will know. When I'm talking about hip hop, I'm not talking about rap music. I'm talking about a culture, a 40 year old culture that we've developed over 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 time. And yes. inside of our culture, we have different elements like DJing, breakin', b-boying, activism, you know, and things like that. There's nine elements in the culture of hip hop.
0: What is what is b-boying? <laughs> B-boying
4: is breakdancing. Oh, okay. Gotcha. But, you know, the, the, okay. Yeah. The media is called calls it break dancing. We call it B-boying So, you know um most people really, when they think of hip hop, they think of rap music, and, and and rap is part of our culture. But um, you know, when we talk about it inside the culture, we're talking about emceeing, and we're and emceeing is uh, can be delivered with different messages. So yes, the and message it's that the popular media wants to you know portray is you know different than what we do inside hip hop culture.
0: It's really about expression, right? I mean, I know graffiti is part of it. It's really expression yeah. of what the soul is crying out for. On every level possible
4: and, and, and one thing I want to um, let people know and I, I, I think most people are starting to understand that right now youth are being uh, attacked uh, you know with with the food issues on on so many levels but hip-hop has always been there as a force we can use towards getting the message out and you know we have hip-hop and hip-hop is probably the largest youth force on the planet and if we could move hip-hop in a green direction, it definitely can change the future, yes. and that's really what our goal
1: is. Well, and we've seen that in action because we've been visiting your site and looking at these incredible videos from the project. Can you? Why don't you tell us about what is Pursuit of a Green Planet, and what are your goals with this project?
4: Okay, I started out actually, uh, ironically, in radio um, uh, recently, and I had the Keith Tucker show there for uh, a couple years, and we were doing hip hop. And out of my radio show, um, I wanted to find out who in hip hop is vegan, who in hip hop are vegetarian, who in hip hop are food activists. So I started, you know, just looking into the issue, and I was going to interview these people on my radio show. And you know, I thought to myself, well, why don't I go vegan? And, you know, and I could see, you know, what the whole process is. And so that whole idea turned into the film documentary, Pursuit of a Green Planet. So in the film, I'm going to go total vegan. Um, I'm, my body's going to become an experiment. And I have assembled a team of some of the top nutritionists, scientists, naturopaths, doctors, and holistic health, food justice people all around the country. And, you know, while I'm going vegan, we're, I'm going to go find out where our food comes from, where it's processed. I'm going to interview the top people in hip-hop that are vegan. And we're going to go out and uh, do what we call green dinners all around the country.
2: So, uh, Keith, just so just before we get too far on this, because I know we can just keep <laughs> rolling on this, is yeah. tell us how changing to a vegan diet is going to be different from your current diet. Yeah, why vegan?
4: Well, well here, here's the thing. Um most people in hip-hop and most people of, uh, of color really have our, our traditional way that we eat, our cultural way that we eat. Right now, I mean, I eat culturally. I eat meat. I eat, you know, whatever. Um, young people, unfortunately, you know, they even eat worse than the cultural diet. They're, they're eating the hood diet. And that diet is just going to the store and and eating whatever's at the corner store. And usually there's no fruits and vegetables Mm and nutritious food there. So, you know, they start their life from 1 to 14 built on chemicals and built on, you know, what we call uh, uh, chemicals disguised to look like food. And, you know, what happens is when they get in their 20s and 30s, they get cancer, heart attack, stroke, diabetes, and and, and the rest is is uh, you know his history. So
1: well, and when we were watching the video, there's this really powerful moment when. When you're talking about these diseases and you're asking the children how many of you have lost a family member to one of these diseases and the consent is really overwhelming and because of the project you're doing, because they're sitting there and they're having a meal with you and we'll let you talk about that next, they're starting mm-hmm. to make the connection. So this this leadership from your idea is is going to, I mean it is a movement, it's going to create some profound change. So what are these yeah. dinners? Can you tell us about your green dinners?
4: Well, the green dinners really uh, came out of my um, just research into uh, Pursuit of a Green Planet. I'll tell you a little story. I was driving to uh, the Veg Fest here in Seattle, Washington doing my first field trip, research field trip. And the Veg Fest is where they serve vegan food. And you can go to like 500 booths and try different kinds of vegan food for free and I've never been to a veg fest before in my whole entire life and so I'm driving there and I'm thinking, okay well I've got to do this film. I'm gonna go vegan for at least nine months and I'm gonna to have to eat that nasty tofu square <laughs> and, <salad." laughs> and I was like, I don't think I could do this)
3: so, you know, that's what
4: most people in my community think when they think vegan. They think some hippie dude with some tofu and some nuts and some salad. What is, these people are crazy. So I went to the Veg fest and I, and I and I got there, and I tried the food, and it totally blew my mind. I mean, I didn't know they had so many options, and the food could be tasty. It could be filling. It could be good. And, I mean, that was the whole thing that really turned my mind around. So then that idea started forming in my, in my head, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to communities where kids have never been exposed to vegan food before, and I'm going to feed them their first vegan meal for free. I'm going to bring in hip-hoppers. I'm going to bring in educators and doctors, and we're going to have a good time, and we're going to do what we call edutainment, educate mm-hmm. and entertain at the same time. And we did the first Green Dinner in Seattle in 2009. And let's and, let's um, talk
0: about that. What that yeah. was for you? Um, we need to take a super quick break. But um, okay. yes, the green dinners. What a story in itself. Uh, you're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And
1: I'm Sitarani Palomar.
0: And our topic today is hip hop. To be precise, Music and Message, Hip Hop Goes Green, a wonderful project started by Keith Tucker, now on tour in the U.S. to bring vegan and organic food to disenfranchised communities and empower children to make wiser choices. Um, More on that when we come back. Stay tuned.
1: Fry Vineyard's Mendocino County award-winning wines, without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's f R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com.
4: Produce is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. At Earls Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earls Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons. So you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earls Organic Produce at EarlsOrganic.com. That's EarlsOrganic.com.
0: And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helbert. I'm Mark McKay.
1: And I'm Sitarani Palomar.
0: And today it's all about hip-hop and the green movement. Music and message, Hip-Hop Goes Green, our topic today. And with us is Keith Tucker, the initiator of <laughs> Hip-Hop Goes Green, Pursuit of a Green Planet, Educating Disenfranchised Youth, and addressing youth obesity throughout the country by merging hip-hop, the expression of the soul's longing with the organic food movement. Keith, you were talking about the project, you were talking about how it started, you going to a festival that had vegan food and you were blown away by how tasty it was, how good it felt in your body. You were talking about hood food, food that in food deserts often is all there is. We're talking highly processed chips, fried foods, etc., a heavy meat-based diet. We talked about the the diseases that are found. Obesity, for example, has doubled in the last 20 years. So the vegan food convinced you to bring this now to the youth.
1: Well, it must be more than just the vegan food, right? Because yes, you're saying the vegan food is far tastier than you thought, but where did you make the connection that this may actually be a healthier alternative in terms of these diseases that you want to address in the hip-hop culture?
4: You know, when I started doing the film, I I had to do a lot of research into veganism and vegetarianism, and I'll just be totally candid with you. I didn't even know the difference between a vegetarian and a vegan.
1: Most
4: people you know, don't. And, yeah, I did not know the definition, you know, and so I started really there. And then when I started to to look at the numbers when it comes to diabetes, cancer, heart attack, and stroke, um, it it just overwhelmed me uh, as far as the research, uh, as far as people coming down with these diseases. And and really to get with you, I had a, a, my grandfather um, had diabetes, and he had three of his limbs cut off before he passed away and he was in a hospital for two years with diabetes like this. So it's been affected my family, and I'm sure there's millions of families out there that it's been affected by. So when I started doing the research, I found out that, uh, you know, a lot of people are being are coming back from cancer. A lot of people are coming back from like, getting rid of diabetes and all of these different diseases just by the way that they choose to eat. And so, you know, you can go and, and talk to somebody and say, yeah, you know, I, I changed my uh, the vegan diet and I started eating a plant-based diet and I'm healthier. And, and you know, and people that have never done that before, they look at you and say, okay, all right, great. <laughs> but until they actually see somebody go through the process Mm -hmm. and And we demystify all of this stuff and we figure out how to cook the food and where it is and all of that stuff. Then people start to say, hey, maybe this might be something that I could try.
1: Yeah, well, and that's a really key part of it, right? Because we're afraid of the unknown. And we will until we make that first step, we don't really know whether or not this is something that we can do or we can try. So you're putting on right. these dinners to introduce what you said, which is really key, a plant-based diet. Because honestly, I mean, I've been a vegetarian my entire life. I've been a vegan for a very long time. And I know that you can still be a vegan and eat a lot of junk food. But what you said was... <laughs> plant-based diet, and that really stuck out for me, because Mark and I were having a conversation the other day, and he said, you know, everybody's trying to tell you that they've got the one ingredient solution to all of your health problems, and the only thing that I know that works is eat more produce. <laughs> and he said, I may be biased, and I said, well, you're biased, but you're also right.
0: <laughs> and it's, it's yeah. so true, actually, you see that what, what you're bringing up is, um, you know, having a plant-based vegan diet does also not mean um, that you're not destroying the environment, because not every vegan food is organic, so it's interesting that the the reason for many vegans to go vegan was um, animal cruelty or you know the treatment right. of animals. And so, um, it's interesting to know that if your vegan food is not organic, uh, you know we're using about um, you know how many billion pounds of pesticides, two and a half billion pounds of pesticides, and um, 770 million tons of synthetic fertilizers uh, every year just in agriculture in the U.S. alone. If you food is not organic, your riparian habitat, the waterways and the soil was just destroyed and, um, you know, the wildlife has suffered. So you might... Have not eaten the cow in the feedlot, which is wonderful, but you you just destroyed the environment around that farm, uh, it, you know, pretty much causing. And, and you are
4: ingesting beef. those pesticides as well.
0: That's right. But when it comes to animal cruelty, it's important. I think if we go vegan and plant based for right. more compassionate diet, that that diet is organic. In your case, you're making actually a point that if it's plant based, you're merging the organic food movement with that. When did that organic awareness come in for you, Keith?
4: It, again, with that research, um, you know, I, I talk to doctors, I talk to nutritionists, I talk to scientists, um, you know, and I have those people on my team now. And so just, you know, and that's, I love getting research like that as a filmmaker. And I want people to actually experiencing, experience me while I'm learning all of this stuff on my journey, on my pursuit, so that people will actually be able to learn with me. And so that's really where I got all this uh, information from is just being inquisitive and interviewing people and talking and uh, really finding that the connection uh, between food and uh, us and the earth is, is the most important issue that we have now today. And so young people are the future, and we've got to get that information to them.
0: We're talking with Keith Tucker, who is joining us from mm -hmm. Seattle today, Pursuit of a Green Planet, his project bringing hip-hop and the organic food movement to disenfranchised youth throughout the country and leading by example being on a vegan organic diet himself now and showing kids how to make wiser and healthier choices for themselves and you have this whole series of dinners so, throughout the country yeah you know work. keith I, I,
2: this is what this is what i've been waiting to get to this whole time i've been loving this this story i've been loving this interview but could you describe your community dinners cuz i'm sitting here trying to imagine you know, what this, you know, what this would be like there and how are they received this different food and, you know, this whole different thing going on? Yeah. What's the response thus far?
4: I want to state something too. I am not vegan yet. Um, as soon as I start the film, day one that we start shooting, which sure. will be very soon, is day one that I go vegan. So I'm not vegan yet. I'm saving all of that stuff for the film. <laughs> I'm actually 40 pounds overweight right okay. now, too. Okay. So it's you'll see the whole process. But anyway, um, the green dinners, I'm going to tell you, I was so nervous. Um, when I did the first Green Dinner because I know how honest kids can be. <laughs> I have two kids myself. Ouch. <laughs> you know? and, and, and I'm like, okay, the most important thing because I do entertainment, so I wasn't worried about bringing the hip-hop artists there and them liking them or anything like that. I was worried about the food. You know, so, I mean, we what we do, and that's the most important part of a Green Dinner really to me is the food. Sure. And so, what we do is we get food that's close to what they eat. Like uh, at one of our green dinners, we served vegan hoagies
1: and they were made
4: with field roast, uh, um, you know, uh, field roast grain meat. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and we had all the veggies there and then we had, you know, it was a whole spread. You know, and so as the kids were eating these big giant hoagies, uh, you know they were like, "Wow, this tastes good!" And you know I was going around the room and and uh, and just really checking them out, having a conversation with them. How does it mm-hmm. taste? I mean, we interview them and we film the whole thing, so.
0: Once so we knew
4: that it was a hit and they liked the food, I I, I could breathe then. And you know, and then we, you know, we'd have some speakers come up. They wouldn't be too long, but they hit the hard points. And you know, then we have the rapper come on and and, and the MC, and they would do their thing. And you know, kids are so impressionable. You don't know what kind of a, you know interaction could put could put a kid on a whole different life path. And so that's really what we want to do is be able to reach as many kids with our live events as possible, and as many kids we can with uh, some of the music that we're going to put out. And then same thing with the film because you got to go to where the kids are at, and it's social sure. media. Also, you know, if I put out books and stuff like that, I don't know if I had reached too many
3: kids.
0: Yeah, but that's what what's... Film and music. That's where it's at. That's what makes it so special for us hearing you and seeing it um, turning organic back into a true movement. Um, That's Keith Tucker, uh, who is producing a movie based on his tour right now through cities and disenfranchised communities throughout the country, teaching youth how to eat better by merging organic vegan food and hip-hop. Keith, we'll stay on you. We already talked about this before Uh, the show. We will uh, follow your success and your tour. And certainly when the movie comes out, we'll have you back on the show. Thank you so much for your wonderful project and good luck going vegan.
4: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. If Wonderful you want the information, they could go to our website, hiphopisgreen.com. Yes,
0: that would have been my next announcement. If you want to follow <laughs> Keith, that's Keith Tucker, Pursuit of a Green Planet, who joined us today from Seattle, Washington. It's hip hop is green. All one word. Hip hop is um, thanks again, Keith. Wonderful work.
4: Thank you guys. We'll thanks, talk to you Keith. soon.
0: Bye bye now. Bye bye. Wow. Fascinating. So fun. <laughs> I want to go to a dinner. I yeah, do, too. I can't wait. Actually, until he's, we will. I he know, was in
1: Oakland already, but I know yes. he's coming back to San Francisco, and no I No date can't announced wait. yet,
0: but um, check it out. HipHopIsGreen.com for a city near you. And um, yeah, definitely a wonderful, wonderful idea and so impactful. I can feel it. I can feel his passion. That will be a great movie. And you know what I really
2: loved about it, and it really is true, is that bringing food that makes people okay initially with just eating, right? So he invited them into a hoagie, right? Right.
1: Something familiar. Something familiar. Uh-huh.
2: And then that allowed them the entry, the the invitation into trying something yes. different. And I love that. What a, what a really
0: great He's idea. He's opening up the whole world of health through a very you know edible topic. Approachable. Hip-hop. Yeah, mm-hmm. wonderful. Mm-hmm. HipHopisGreen.com. Check it out. Um, coming up here is We're Staying with Produce, actually, Plant-Based Diet. Mark Mukehi with the weekly update of what's going on in the world of produce. Uh, what's in season when we come back with more. Stay tuned. Here to an organic conversation, a hip hop conversation this week. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy.
1: And I'm Sitarani Palomar.
0: Mark, take it to bunny hop and take it to produce. Carrots? No. What's the topic? Here's Whoa. Mark Mulcahy with the weekly update of what's going on in the world of produce. Oh, really? What's in season, Mark?
2: We're going to hop right over <laughs> to the produce market right now and we're going to find out. <laughs> Um, and so today is, uh, all about pears and you're probably thinking, well, that sounds kind of odd because it's spring and pears are a fall crop, right? You've been eating them. Um, but no, we're talking about, you know, off season pears or pears from somewhere else. And so on, on the line, of course, we have the voice of the San Francisco produce market, Earl Herrick calling in from Earl's organic and going to talk to us a little bit about Earl. We're I'm seeing a whole new crop of pears coming in. What's going on?
3: Yeah, good morning, everybody. Good Hi, Harold. Hello. Yeah, yeah, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, wonderful thing this time of year. Uh, things are popping up from all over the world. Yeah, we get to enjoy Bartlett pears this time of year. You know, All the domestic stuff, you know, any pears that are grown in the United States are, are all done. You know, they're, they're picked in August, stored, put in the, you know, special storage and get used. And perfect timing, the Southern southern hemisphere produces these wonderful pears these are coming from argentina and that's the biggest uh pear producer outside of uh the united states and it's it, my understanding is they're coming from this wonderful valley called the rio negro which is kind of a high floodplain. water coming down from the andes it's a it's a, a pest-free zone because they just don't hang out there. And it, this is a very popular agricultural area. It's been planted since uh, commercially since the early 1900s and organically since the early 90s. Mm. So it's a great place to grow them. Bar- barley pear is one of my favorite.
2: Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, I, I forget about them because they go away and then they come back. And I just saw this amazingly beautiful, bright canary, yellow, bulbous pear the other day in the produce department and I stopped for a second took a big whiff and then I just had to I had to buy one. I just stared at it for a couple of days and then finally I took a bite. And, but
1: There's such know, a love affair what? with pears. <laughs> no,
2: well if you put your nose into a pile of pears, I'm telling you right now yeah. you may not leave the produce department. That is a fact. For a couple weeks. For a couple of weeks and then, then you slice them and they're still a little bit firm and, and put them in, on your tongue and they just melt on your tongue. Those Bartlets are amazing. So Earl, my question question yeah. for you, though, is, is okay, they're coming from Argentina, but how in the heck do they get here?
3: Yeah, they are boated. Um, they are picked within a couple days or on a boat coming north. Uh, now, Argentina is on the Atlantic side, bordered by Chile, which is on the Pacific side, and they are boated. Most of them are coming up to Philadelphia, get unloaded there, and trucked across the continent. So it's kind of like the
2: opposite. Right in the yeah, yeah. in the fall yeah, we ship them east, and in the winter and the in the spring they ship them west.
3: Yeah, exactly. There's, um, you know, a, a couple of different reasons for doing that. One of them is it's quite often we still have pears in the West Coast coming out of storage out of Washington, so there's a little more demand on the East Coast. Now there are occasions where they will. Uh, Truck the pears across the Andes to Chile and bring them up on a boat coming that way. It takes hmm. another week or so. It's a little more expensive, but that's another way that they do it. It's a good so, thing yeah. they
2: pick them green. Yeah,
3: yeah, and it's it's about three months on the uh, three weeks on the water. And so, you know, after they're picked because they're stored real well, pears store great, so you're going to have a fresh pair within a month. Now, one of the interesting things about this time of year or the Southern Hemisphere uh, Bartlett is that it seems to remain firm a longer period of time than what we see here in the States. In other words, you can let it turn that good uh, yellow color, and you don't have to feel quite as urgent to eat it. It remains that high color before it starts getting soft. Mm. So, you know, that's a little bit of a benefit
2: for us. And so what's, what's going on? Now? So, you know, they're shipping it by boat, um, yeah. and, you know, we're talking about an organic pear. I mean, yep. I don't know, Does that ha- is there an issue around shipping?
3: you know there there really isn't they they have this tot- they have the storage thing down perfectly they you know pears have been stored you know for well you know we go all the way back to uh, root cellars and using the same sure. concept sure. They, they they take it down to 34 degrees they modulate the nitrogen and the in the oxygen input and they keep it stable so there's really no issue at all you got you have to uh, pick pears green anyway so it's just a matter of whether they're sitting in a storage somewhere or they're on the water.
0: And shipping with a container ship, I I believe is the least environmentally impactful. If we do ship um, food or produce, uh, of course, much more economically or uh, ecologically viable than um, transporting it by um, airplane. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah, most definitely. I don't know all the stats on it, but absolutely. Uh,
0: and it doesn't no interfere doubt. with local production right now because there isn't a local production, right? That's right. Interesting. We had a show last week, Earl, where we were saying that if you buy a product that doesn't come domestically, as we are talking, organic and local, or domestically as much as we possibly can. However, if you do buy you know, ingredients, spices from India, from Morocco, um, pears from Argentina, it's interesting that you actually are directly supporting the organic movement there, yeah. Um, as well, it's something that's often overlooked in the argument for eating a hundred-mile diet. As important and wonderful as that is, this is a global organic movement, and I always say, you know, it's it's an exchange of culture when we um, trade with other countries. So the more we can highlight that these are right now Argentinian pears, and Mark, you were saying Argentina is the best, one of the best pear-growing region in the world. Yes.
2: Yeah, that's what um, and Earl and Earl and I were talking this morning because the conditions are just perfect with the, the water from the Andes and the sandy soil and the, there's a lot yeah. of minerals in the soil. and so, yes. so the
0: quality is phenomenal, Earl, that you're seeing right now, right? Oh, it, re-
3: it really is. Um, <laughs> you just want to uh, keep a you know if you're gonna let's say you buy five or six keep a couple a portion of them out of the refrigerator let them ripen and you're you know you're gonna be very very happy there the Bartlett is a, a mild juicy you know melt in your mouth pear and it, it's it's really delectable it's like I said it's my favorite you know one interesting aspect that I found out is you know the, the there's a lot of co-ops that are producing the apples and pears in that region and my understanding was in the early 90s of uh, uh, family went or maybe a part of the family went to Italy, and that's where they got uh, turned on to the environmental
0: uh, mm-hmm. organic, organic methods yes.
3: of, yeah. of, of agriculture and then came back and, and started using them.
0: And now the entire region more or less is organic here, yes?
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, they get they get a great return. Um, they understand the benefits. You know, they're 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 living on the farm. Yeah, it's they it's a perfect archetype for you know what we like to do. Now, I, you know, everybody understands where Argentina is, right? It's it's south of Brazil, and it's about the same kind of climate that we enjoy in the San Francisco area. Very Mediterranean.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, wonderful. Mm-hmm. And and so you're saying Bartlett is the pair, right? Bartlett is it?
3: Yes, and, and it is the first pair that comes out in the season. It's it, when we around here we call it the the summer the summer fall pair. It's the it's the first pair around here it comes out in July. So the same thing. This is the beginning of the pear season in South America, and then we'll see the other varieties, you know, trip right down the line.
2: Rachel. So yeah, I, so yep. Earl thank you so much, it's always a pleasure to have I, I'm sitting here just daydreaming about pears I was actually thinking if you were going to go out on a date, you know, you just bring a, this beautiful golden Bartlett pear to that sweetie that you want to impress
1: I've always said it's better than flowers Produce is better than flowers Guys, That's right. make want, a note You want to fall in love with the produce,
2: man <laughs> There's the tip of the day. Fall in love with the produce man. (laughs) Thank
1: you so much, Earl.
0: Absolutely. Goodbye. Bye now. Thank you, Earl. That's great. (laughs) Well, Uh,
1: thank you, Mark. Great Wetson season. Do you have a little more a little more info for us about storage and selection that we can check out on our Facebook page? Yeah, yeah. I'll put
2: I'll put some stuff up on our Facebook page,
1: which is well well
0: received actually. Um, There were lots of uh, the the blogs you put up on our Facebook page in Organic Conversation forward slash no. Facebook.com forward slash An Organic Conversation. I just can't get it right. Yes, lots of feedback on your produce blog. So check it out, how to pick and store so you don't waste any produce and any money.
1: And Helga, you have an organic moment for us this week?
0: A short one, yes. It's about silence. It's about not speaking when it does not add to the moment. So, of course difficult to do on radio but i do want to hold the space for considering silence for not adding to the constant barrage of sound and words so often as you say mark answering before we even listen to the very question i'm inviting you to enjoy some silence today pause for a moment before opening your mouth taste the possibility that is created and growing in that very moment It can be very, very nourishing and more clear than any word could ever be. And that was my organic moment.
1: And that was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. Thanks for listening. An Organic Conversation is a proud production of The Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger.
0: This show would not be possible without the ongoing support from our listeners. Whether it's a dollar a month or a one time donation, please consider becoming a patron of An Organic Conversation. For more information on how to support this program, please visit patreon.com. That's P A T R E O N.com forward slash an organic conversation. Thank you for your contribution.
1: An organic conversation is made possible through listeners like you and the fantastic support of our underwriters. Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor providing certified organic fruits and vegetables for your store, home, or business since 1988. The website is earlsorganic.com.
0: And also Fry Vineyards, America's first certified organic winery, producing organic and certified biodynamic wine. For more information, frywine.com. That's F R E Y W I N E.com.
1: Thank you as well to Bowman College, focused on holistic nutrition and culinary arts for over 20 years. Bowman College offers professional training programs that prepare individuals for careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Their website is BowmanCollege.org. That's B A U M A N college.org.
0: If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com.
1: And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash conversation.
0: We are your hosts, Helga Helbert
1: And Sitarani Palomar.
0: And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then.
1: Bye.